0: Everything that we do is a collection of our own politics, our own thoughts. Body autonomy. You are the political body.
1: These body politics.
0: I think all dance is political. We can't really escape that. Body politics. I
1: am quote unquote just a dancer. I was angry and I learned to harness my anger. And that's what art is. Provoke action, thought, and a drive toward change. That's kind of our role is
0: to put the audience in a place where they have to think and they have to acknowledge these body politics. institution. Acknowledge the political body. Investigate where you're going. Acknowledge the body politic. Welcome back to Body Politic, the podcast at the intersection of performing arts and political activism. I'm your host Courtney Colliado, and this is episode four. Raymond Rodriguez is joining me from Chicago, where he is the head of studio company and trainee program at the Joffrey Ballet. Raymond is actively fighting ageism and commodification of dancers by training the next generation of dancers to go out and be active in the choices that are made for them in their careers and to become well-rounded people. Raymond and I talked for a long time and he is so passionate about making sure these young dancers have all the tools they need to go out and be successful and healthy adult dancers and this is the change that we need in the dance world in the performing arts world we need seasoned professionals who see the problems inherent in this top-down power structure that we've built for ourselves so that the artists can flourish and grow and feel more secure in themselves as artists, in their jobs, and have long, healthy, astounding careers. So here's Raymond answering all of my questions about what he does, how he does it, and how he became aware of the issue of ageism in the dance world. Welcome back to Body Politic. I have Raymond Rodriguez here this evening from Chicago. So Raymond, tell us a little bit about your background first, and then we'll talk about the work that you're doing.
1: Sure. Hello, Courtney. Uh, Thank you for having me on the program tonight. Yes, my name is Raymond Rodriguez. I am the head of the studio company and trainee program at the Joffrey Ballet here in Chicago. I was a principal dancer with the Cleveland San Jose Ballet uh, for my whole career, Uh, originally from New York City, trained at American Ballet Theater. Then I moved on to Ballet Master, Managing Director, Associate Artistic Director of that company in San Jose before moving to Chicago and working with youth right now.
0: Well, the weather's a bit different, but the work sounds really awesome.
1: (laughs) That's for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No more palm trees. So tell us about the work you're doing with the youth. I know for clarity I should mention that Raymond and I are acquainted through, again, Holland's University. Raymond's doing really important work with the next generation of dancers and helping them avoid this sort of argument over agency that we're finding a lot with dancers who are maturing and possibly maturing out of dance companies at this point. So I would love to talk about the work he's doing right now.
1: Yes, um, so my thesis while I was at Holland's was dealing with ageism within classical ballet. I felt that there was this frustrating Age's belief that mature dancers have little to no purpose in dance, but I feel like I have to close down those avenues to show my expression and rather open up new possibilities in dance through my work. With that being said, I have been working with young dancers between 17 to 22 years of age, um, dancers that are on the cusp of becoming professional dancers. They are dancers that come from all over the world to train at the Joffrey in the program that I'm running. And I see dancers dealing with many, many issues today with anxiety, with stress. Where are they going? What are they going to do next if they don't find a job after this training program? I'm seeing it more and more, and I feel open lines of communication are the key. I've um, Implemented a program, part of a class within my curriculum every two weeks where we sit down just for one hour to talk and discuss different topics, different issues. How are they dealing with life? Not just about dance, but as people, who they are as people, which Transfers to who they are as artists, which comes into the studio, which comes onto the stage. Um, I feel that they are opening up and learning to communicate. As back in the day when I was uh, growing up as a student in ballet, we were told, you know, never to speak up. We just listen to the teacher and we do what we're told. Now I feel that we need to open up and we need to communicate to succeed and move forward and have our art form grow. I feel that as a dancer, I was forced to retire by my director. I was literally pushed out saying, you know, it's time, but you can be a ballet master with the company. You know, I had no choice in the matter. So I thought, but realistically, I felt I needed a job and I took the position as ballet master and I was happy in that role. But later on I started thinking about I still wanted to dance. I still wanted to get up on that stage and express myself in a different way. And that didn't come about until after I was here at Joffrey and going to Hollands and really thinking about that. And I was like, no, why should I be forced out. Why should someone tell me that I cannot dance? I should be able to make that decision. And I still feel I am a dancer, no matter how old I am and how old I will eventually be, that I will always be a dancer.
0: Well, clearly, yes, you are a dancer. Any of us who put our bodies on stage should be able to do that as long as we want to. And I know that's been the norm, I mean, for as long as I can remember, that you know, once you hit 30, you're the older dancer in company. And once you're hitting 40, it's time to start thinking about retiring. But then you see these performers in Europe, or even now in the States, more mature dancers. And they bring so much more depth to a role or to the stage. And just a this vast body of experience that they bring into their storytelling as a performer, too. I mean, obviously, the young body is a beautiful thing to watch in motion. But I don't I don't know. Dance is more than that, right, though? It's more than just a body moving
1: Right. Um, I don't explain
0: I, it very well, but I I've always try to put it into those words. I teach my students that dance is nonverbal communication, which is also part of the problem that we're not taught to speak and stand up for ourselves. But then how how would you explain dance in a non-ageist way?
1: It's just about expressing oneself. I always tell my students, tell a story. Mm-hmm. In class, that's my go to line all the time. Mine's tell too. a story. I don't want to see just a leg out in space. I want that leg to be speaking to me, telling me a story. You know, it's a society also that, you know, glorifies the youth and the beauty. And I believe society is conditioned. And you see it on TV, models, actors, you know, the older they get, they're pushed out as well. But how do we change that? And that's what, you know, I'm looking at and how we can do that. And I feel... An older body, an older person, a mature person has so much to say through their life experience.
0: Agreed, 100%. Can you describe your thesis and describe the process of you arriving at that point and the decisions you made? Because it, it was beautiful visually and also emotionally heart-wrenching, but also empowering all at the same time. I don't know how to explain that with my words via a podcast <laughs> so that the audience can understand.
1: Well, thank you. Um, well, like I said, it all started um, from me just reflecting back on um, myself being pushed out of the company that I was dancing with. I retired from, or I was pushed out, let's say, at the age of 45 from the stage as a principal dancer. I still felt I had much more to offer. So with my thesis, it became a reflection of my narrative, really, in my life of dance. So within my thesis, I started looking back at from my youth and where I developed and how I grew as an artist and felt I got to that point. So within my thesis performance, it was a reflection, looking back into the past. But then it grew into who I am today, what I am today, what I look like today. I am still me. I am still Raymond. I am still a dancer, no matter age, appearance physicality. I'm arthritic now, but should that matter? No. It's just going to be different. And who says that is not worthy? So my second part of my performance thesis was who I am today, what I am. And my third part of my thesis performance was this is who I am. I celebrate that. I move on. I continue. So it was a journey. It was sort of a narrative from the past to the present into the future.
0: And you still got the chops, man. You are such a beautiful mover. I love to watch you dance.
1: Thank you. Thank you. You're
0: welcome. Is there a possibility of you going back onto the stage? Are you working on that?
1: Well, um, I haven't performed since my thesis performance last summer. I've been diving back into my work at Joffrey. But since then, I am uh, directing a production of Coppelia that's premiering in two weeks. And... um, we've had a shortage of male dancers in our program due to the fact that they are getting employment with companies, which I'm thrilled about. It's a good way to lose dancers. (laughs) So I, you know, I've sent them on their way. They are flourishing, but it's left me with a Um, less male dancers for this production. So it came down to who was going to dance the role of Dr. Coppelius, a character role within the ballet. And um, so I said, well, I started thinking about it. I was like, why can't I do it? It's a student production. It's it's, um, the studio company trainees, conservatory and pre-professional levels within the academy performing this whole production. But I thought, you know, all right, because of circumstances, I will do it. I got a little pushback from the Academy director saying, well, this is a student production. Uh, You shouldn't be performing in this. And I said, well, it wasn't that I wanted to. I wasn't casting myself because of circumstances, which now has led into me rehearsing this role in front of my students. And just a couple of days ago, uh, we had a run-through of the second act, and none of them had seen me in the, the role or in rehearsals because it's only involving a few dancers. And But they were all in the room. I have to say, I, I think I surprised them. They know me as a teacher, as a mentor, as a coach, a director, but not as a performer. And when, they, when we finished the run-through, they just went into crazy applauding and screaming, and they were so excited. And I know that they see me in a different light now, which was interesting for me. Now they were seeing me as a performer. They were like, you were incredible. You you didn't even look at yourself in the mirror once, which made me laugh. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> right. I, but, you know, I said, of course not. You know, when you engross yourself in a role, it's, you are there. You are present. It's not superficial. It was interesting for them to see me in that light, and I I see that they have a different kind of a respect for me now, which was, again, interesting that, you know, it took that for them to see me now to see me differently. So it's not a matter of my age and the teacher. It's a performer. It's a body performing, dancing, telling a story.
0: And all the camaraderie that comes with sharing that stage with them, I'm sure. So right, I think but, that can yeah. only help your mission with them, probably. I'm sure they listen to you anyway and respect what you have to say. It's, but uh, I, I,
1: Yeah, it's the sing it's, it in action. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And they said, oh, this is going to be so much fun. We're, we're looking forward to this now. Thank you. This is great. So I'm, I'm happy for them, and I'm also enjoying it as well.
0: Well, no, they're so fortunate to get to share a stage with a seasoned professional, because I know it's a student performance. Right. And have many of them been on stage with the Joffrey before or with professionals?
1: Um, Some of them have um, within my studio company. About um, 10 of them have.
0: Is there anything that you think we should share with people listening? Because I think mostly we'll have students and, and other performing artists listening. Anything you'd like to share about ageism or the work that you plan to do or that you'd like to outline in the future? As far as combating ageism and that lack of agency?
1: Never be afraid to put yourself out there. If this is something that you love and want to continue to pursue and to still perform, no one should be able to tell you, no, you cannot do that. Never be afraid to put yourself out
0: there and continue to do what you love to do. Can you explain those two programs to me? Yes, we have the
1: the trainee program at Joffrey Ballet in Chicago, the official school of the Joffrey Ballet, not to be confused with the Joffrey Ballet School in New York. Um, We are not affiliated with them. Um, So here in Ah. Chicago, we have the trainee program and we have about 32 dancers in that program. And it's a full day program. It's a one to two year program, depending on how they're doing. From six days a week, uh, from 9:30 to 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and if they're working with the company, a few dancers work with the company on major productions. Um, they will continue on work until 6:30 at night. Our studio company is a level above the trainee program. It's roughly 10 to 12 dancers, and it's a 100% full scholarship program. And again, they work with the trainees as well, uh, but. More of them work with the company on the big productions um, so and that program is a one year program and like I said, these dancers are on the cusp of becoming professional dancers they Quite talented and beautiful dancers and beautiful people. And um, but what's next for them? You know, what happens after graduation? Where do they go? Many of them have been auditioning since January up until today. Still, I'm happy to say that many of them have found positions with professional companies around the country and in Europe. Um, I've had. About six of them already leave the program early. Uh, One's dancing with the um, West Australian Ballet, two with the Dresden Ballet in Germany, uh, one with Oregon Ballet Theater, and one with um, Charlotte Ballet and many are going on to other companies as well. But for those that do not go on, what happens? And that's where my heart sinks for them is, you know, they are super talented, and especially our international students that we have. It's hard for them to find a position in the United States. Many small companies will not get a visa for these dancers, a working visa. It's very difficult. So I've had, you know, a lot of dancers coming to me and I see that they're stressed out and they're dealing with anxiety and um, some of them depression. You know, we talk constantly. i trying to help them through this. We have a relationship with the Family Institute here in Chicago that we can send our dancers to to talk with. And you know, as you know, in the sports world, you know, these athletes have life coaches and therapists working with them. In the dance world, we don't have that. We don't have those resources all the time. Um, so we're trying to make those available and really being mentors to these young dancers. Um, some of them are quitting dancing because they can't go on. They are going back to their home countries and going back to university, which is great as well. You know, It's uh, different paths, but um, it's as you know, it's, it's very challenging and it's a, a rough road to navigate through.
0: I mean, that breaks my heart, but at the same time, I, I went the university route, but I went to a conservatory, so it, it changed my life, and I, I almost wish I'd taken a break from dancing earlier, so I would have been a more mature dancer when I went to conservatory. So I can only imagine that because of this hunger for a job, and then the social pressure from their circle, because their social circle is the dancers that they live and breathe and eat and you know dance with all day, to be the dancer not getting a response or not getting a job Do you think there's anybody who is taking an opportunity just because it's an opportunity, no matter the history of the company or how dancers are treated in that institution? Or is everyone kind of making very smart, well-thought-out choices?
1: Well, I, I tell the dancers, you know, don't just audition just for the sake of auditioning. Really investigate the company that you're looking into. Learn about the company. Learn about the director. Learn about the dancers, the repertoire that you'll be dancing. Learn about the city that you might be moving to, the culture in that country maybe that you're moving to. All of that is going to play within your happiness in your life and how you are developing as an artist and as a person. So don't just go to just because it's an open audition, go to that audition. Really investigate where you're going. So they're taking ownership of that now.
0: That's so good to hear because I think of all the issues that we discussed, and we discussed earlier before we started recording, As dancers, we're taught to be obedient, and everyone I've spoken to for this program has said the exact same thing. We're taught to be obedient and follow the rules and not challenge the authority or question the choreographer. Some dancers I know who are principal dancers in companies feel emotionally victimized or physically victimized by being not forced, but also forced to do or perform something that makes them uncomfortable without any thought of the dancer as an individual. So it's just body. It's just a meat sack and a leotard on stage and we can kind of play puppet master with it. I love that the work you're doing with your students is empowering them to make those choices and make educated choices. I mean, what else are you doing with them to sort of break this paradigm and shift shift the power structure?
1: Just to let them know that they do have a voice and we are all in this together. And I tell them all the time, I'm learning from you as well. You're learning from me and I'm learning from you. It's never too late to start learning or to continue learning. You know, I told him, I went to grad school at age 56. I put myself in that situation. I put myself there because I wanted to. Never stop being afraid to learn and you will keep growing. Don't stay static.
0: First of all, 56? (laughs) I had no idea. And I read your bio a million times. No idea. Dang, Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what is their response when you bring this up with the students? Do they believe you? Are they like, "Oh, I'm never going to get old," or are they taking heed and starting to kind of act more maturely in their decisions? Okay. I think um, I
1: think they they are listening and they are hearing. And I have a few of them that are that are enrolling in university now, and they were like. I see that, you know, it's changing and I've told them it's changing. It's back in the day you graduated from high school and you got into a company and dancers felt, well, if you went to college then when you got out of university, you're going to be too old to get into a company. I said, that's not the case. Many dancers that I know and continue now are going into university and getting more experience on who they are as people and working on, on their craft before joining a company I've seen many dancers, even here at Joffrey in the main company, hired at age 16, 17. They're young. They're not developed as people yet, and they have a hard time fitting in with the rest of the company. You know, some can do it and some can't. I do have a student of mine um, who's moving into Joffrey Ballet in the fall, and he just turned 17. But he is so mature for his age, he's well-spoken, he's well-read, he visits museums, He he's into photography, he's into now choreographing, into editing films. I mean, this is what it's about, right? We have to not just be narrow-minded and stay at the ballet bar. We have to develop in other areas that will enhance our art form and who we are as people. And these dancers are doing that. I really see that, and I'm so so proud of them
0: it's a welcome change and a welcome shift thinking you know we have the dancers like Alessandra Ferry and Wendy Perrin and Gus Solomons Jr. and countless other dancers and choreographers who make waves just for being on stage past the age of 50 but they didn't do it To get notoriety for their age, they did it because they had to. There's nothing that satisfies that need, like being on stage or just creating something, right? Like your student who is flexing his creative muscles in any way possible just makes you a more well-rounded artist. Do you think that part of the problem in the way dancers are generally treated is because there's that lack of maturity? Because for so long in the major companies, dancers tend to come in pretty young. So they haven't been socialized in a way that teaches them the morals of an adult so you have these sexting scandals or hateful speech that gets other younger dancers in trouble. I think someone got fired from Paris Opera Ballet a couple of months ago for making homophobic slurs on the Internet. Right, right. Um, do you think that has I something think, to do yeah. with it? That just immaturity.
1: I think so. Yes, definitely. They're not mature enough as no. people. And I have one of my students and. She is so dedicated, hardworking, there every day, cross-training at the gym, 5.30 in the morning. We'll go after work. And I had to sit her down and talk to her. I said, you need to do other things. I feel like you're just becoming obsessed with ballet. And I want you to just not go to the gym one day. I want you to go out with some friends and go shopping, go to a nice restaurant, or then maybe go to a museum or the theater. Or an opera? And she's like, really? But I just love ballet and I just, this is what I want to do. I said, yes. So I had to explain all this to her and she's come back to me and she's like, you know, I, I took a day with my mom and we went out and we went shopping. We had like a girl's day out and I had so much fun. I haven't done that in so long. So, you know, it's just reminding them that they have to bust out of that bubble and not just stay narrow minded so that they can develop as human beings to function properly in society
0: i was at A Q&A in december and i think the last question for all of us was what is the word of advice you would give and mine was one thing i say to all my students when it comes close to ygp time or exams or or whatever i'm like your value is not based upon the totality of your mistakes like you are not the mistakes you've made which i thought was really cool and then mm-hmm. this beautiful dancer miguel from the joffrey was like you guys need to remember to be kids. (laughs) You're dancing so much. Remember to also be a kid. And I was like, that's the most poignant thing anybody could have said. But yes, if you don't let yourself have that joy of being a person or a kid, Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, you do make yourself vulnerable because you're so, the blinders are on, I guess. Right, right,
1: right. right. And that's my whole point. Take the blinders off. Expose yourself to many different things, not just ballet or dance. Anything else you do on the outside is only going to enhance your work as an artist.
0: Absolutely. So you started having, was it weekly or bi-weekly meetings with your bi-weekly, students? Bi-weekly, bi-weekly. And when did, did you start that after your thesis project or did you start that before you started thinking about all of these things in the dance world?
1: Yeah, it was after my thesis project. So okay. it started uh, in this past September.
0: And how's that going?
1: Um, it's wonderful. I think the dancers love it. I love it. It's a chance for me to get to know them also and for them to get to know me a little bit more as well. And I've heard feedback from the artistic director of the company, other faculty members. And, wow, the, the students are really communicating. They're really talking and taking ownership of their work. I said, yes, they are. <laughs> it was nice to hear that and that it's being recognized. and
0: Validation.
1: Yeah, and just like you know, like uh, that um, one student that I was telling you that's moving into Joffrey, who just turned 17, we just had um, it's called Young Moves, and six of our students they have a choreography class that they take, and six of them choreographed on the fellow uh, students, and uh, we presented a performance uh, last week, and but they produced a the whole show, and they were responsible for marketing it. Um, they designed the poster. They filmed interviews and edited uh, a reel, uh, introduction reel, about the works. It was wonderful to see. Um, they had to edit their music. They had to, one of them made a film for his piece. So they're really, really owning up to their work and taking ownership of it, which is really nice to see at such a, a young age and that it's not just Everyone's doing everything for them, and they're just doing steps.
0: Right, they're not just showing up
1: in costume as a body. Right, they're creating. They had to decide what costumes to wear, and they had to deal with casting and running rehearsals and um, what happens when someone gets injured or someone's not showing up or someone's not uh, listening to the choreographer on what they want. And they had to learn what it was like to stand in front of a studio and manage a studio of dancers, of artists. So it's it's wonderful to see that learning process and see how they're growing with it. I s- certainly wish I had that when I was growing up.
0: I do too. I think I think people tried. I'm looking back through my in my head that projects we did in conservatory and in high school where we got a little bit of ownership and and we got to find music i mean the technology was different then too it just that sounds like such an amazing opportunity i wish we'd had that i love that so raymond rodriguez is you're training the next generation of dancers to be self-sufficient full of agency and take no bullshit i like <laughs> I'm it i'm
1: certainly trying
0: yeah yes. <laughs> um right. i had a question for you that i just lost dang and we're gonna hang up and i'm gonna remember the thing i wanted to ask you <laughs> Okay, so before we go, you've clearly made huge strides from where you were three years ago to realizing you had an issue that you wanted to tackle with your work. And I know it's still in the incubation period, sort of, because of life. You have a full time job. Um, that's what my question was. Yes, I remember now. Yes. Okay. okay. Ha! Ah, this <laughs> festival, the um, uh, festival. Winning Works. Yes, thank you. Winning you- Works. And that is a festival, or. Can you call it a festival or a competition? It's a choreographer's competition. So Winning Works is a choreographer's competition that... Asks for entries mostly from minority choreographers, correct? That's correct. Okay, yes, and are you uh, did you spearhead this, or this is something you're involved in though?
1: Um, I am certainly involved in it. I did not spearhead it. This started uh, before I was at Joffrey. Next year will be our the 10th anniversary of winning works, and it's a choreographers competition for um, we call them Alana artists, which are African, Latinx, Asian, uh, Arab, and Native American. Um, and it's, uh, it's to help recognize talented and emerging choreographers to sh- give their unique perspective and ignite cre- creativity um, in new works for them and choreographing on Studio Company and Trainee Dancers. Last year, we had 144 applicants. Four choreographers are chosen out of all those applicants. Each choreographer comes to Chicago uh, for two weeks Uh each separately, and um, I make it like a real-life experience for these dancers also, where they have to audition for the choreographer. All of them are in a studio with the choreographer for one whole day, and I make it the choreographer's responsibility also as a learning tool for them to have to select dancers. I don't want to be in the choreographer's ear saying, you should use this one and that one. This is their strong point, because a choreographer has to go into a company at times and just select dancers. And the dancers also have to realize that they this is what it's going to be like for them in a professional company, that they will be auditioning for choreographers that are coming in to cast a work. And some of them don't dance in the program at all if they're not selected, which is really rough it's, I feel for them. But I you know, it's I said this is what it's really going to be like and I want you to learn to how to navigate through that. You can be an understudy then and it's that's an education as well but it's heartbreaking when they're not selected to perform but i really strongly feel that's what it's like in the professional world and they have to learn that as well and it's one of the highlights of our program and the dancers love it also that they're working one on one with a choreographer creating new works and it's been wonderful to see these choreographers come in also and work with the dancers and give them agency into the work as well and collaborate with them
0: i'm sure there's just so much growth happening in the studio during that period.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a one. I love that time of year. It's we it started from like December through March. A new choreographer comes in and some of them are in three works. So they're learning all this choreography, but then we still have to go back and rehearse the previous work that had been choreographed a month earlier. So that really is a true training program for them to become the professional dancers that they want to be.
0: Again, they're so fortunate to have you. Do you have any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with anybody who may be listening, either young dancers or young fledgling artist activists who might end up like you or me one day realizing that there's something they want to say but they don't know how to say it
1: all i can say is just keep doing it if you love what you're doing you have to love what you're doing if you're not loving it why do it but if you do no one should stop you from doing what you love to do
0: thank you so much to raymond rodriguez And thank you for listening to Body Politic, the podcast at the intersection of performing arts and political activism. Episode five is an interview with a family medicine doctor in Denver, Colorado, who also happens to perform abortion procedures.
1: Why me? Why are you talking to a physician who does abortions on the topic of body politics? That is the intersection of bodily autonomy, women's rights, and abortion. And you know, the the big picture here is that abortion is a very important component of controlling people.
0: It was cathartic and also eye-opening. You will be astounded at the facts that he throws out at us at his personal stories of horror. The security concerns are are pretty
1: serious. It's very real. A friend and colleague of mine named George Tiller uh, was assassinated. And triumph. Uh, I might uh, see three to ten women
0: in any given day who need me to terminate a pregnancy, and um, I'm honored to be able to help them out with an important part of their life. Being someone who provides what should be a procedure accessible to all women, because if we don't have choice, we don't have power. Thank you to Raymond Rodriguez. Thank you to our sponsor, Byron Green. Thank you to Holland's University for making me make this podcast for my independent study. And thank you the listeners for continuing to support. Music is courtesy of Incompetech.com and composer Kevin McLeod.